I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 44 of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today on the podcast, I will be talking about overwhelm and what it may be telling us, <laughs> which is a great topic based on the, the last couple of weeks that I've had, which I will share with you. Before we get there, I want to say a special thank you to Melissa Sue Tucker for being on the show last week about addiction support. That's episode 43 if you want to go back and listen. It's a tough topic to talk about, and so I am so glad that her voice is out there and that she's sharing her journey about how to deal with supporting those who have addiction in their life and in their family and just her compassion and love for the topic. Go back and listen if you haven't. There was also a huge spike around the episode I did with my mastermind last week. So thank you guys if you're back and and started subscribing last week for that show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. And if somebody let me know, I think I must have gotten mentioned on another podcast. If you'd let me know how you found me, that'd be awesome. I want to thank that person too. The updates before we get into the overwhelm discussion, and I promise it will be insightful, fun, and interesting. Coming up, do you want to start your own podcast? If you do, I have a six-week boot camp class, which will run starting July 14th. It'll be on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, and we're going to take you from an idea of having a show to creating and interviewing and how to pitch and all of the exciting ins and outs of how to get your very first episode out onto iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. If you want to sign up for that, registration is now open and you can find everything over at jumpstartyourpodcast.com. So if you'd like to explore how overwhelm is impacting your life, I invite you to join me for a free consultation slash coaching session, and you can sign up for that over at jumpstartyourjoy.com. There's a link at the bottom right of the homepage, and you could just, it'll take you right to my calendar, and you can sign up from there. I'm a life coach if you're new here. <laughs> I also have a free five-week e-course about finding balance in your life, which has some overlap to the overwhelmed topic. So if you want to sign up for that free e-course, that's also on the homepage of the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. Last bits of housekeeping. If you are new here and you want to go follow along with show notes, you can do so at the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash overwhelm will be the way to get there. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe over on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and now, Tune In Radio. <laughs> Welcome to Tune In Radio, folks. So glad you're here as well. So let's jump in and talk about overwhelm. In the last couple of weeks, I will say that I had what I felt like was kind of a minor landslide. I'm going to be very realistic and admit that it was nothing major. Well, I have a five-year-old son, and he is in preschool for three days a week. We moved that around so that he is. we get to hang out on Mondays and Fridays before he is going to kindergarten in the fall. And he gets to go play with his friends at his his preschool on uh, in the middle of the week, which is great. And it's given me time to work on business and take clients and all of that. Well, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I feel so, so sorry for his teachers and all the staff there. The water main broke in their building 
which left them scrambling. Since there was no water to the building, they can't accept students. The school closed for a whole two weeks. Which, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm totally grateful that I'm in a position where we could juggle that situation. I know that there are plenty of parents out there that are working full time and might be in a more delicate situation than I am that couldn't juggle that and that it would be very difficult to try and figure out what to do for childcare in an immediate situation like that. So I was able to take my son who we'll call Zoom. That's his <laughs> That's his stage name. That's what I call him online. So Zoom and I hung out for two weeks. But I will say that was really difficult because I was trying to juggle working and hanging out with him. And it got to be, let's <laughs> admit, a little bit much for probably both of us. By Friday of that first week, we had been watching a lot of TV and I had made a point. There's this really cool pinball museum. Um, if you live in the Bay Area, it's the Alameda Pinball Museum. So we'd been there on Wednesday. And let me just tell you, if you live around here, it's free play. Like they just turn on all the pinball machines. And there's probably 100 of them and it's 10 bucks. Go check it out. You can play to your heart's content. But yeah, using, you know, some of the tickets we get through our, our library system. And we'd gone on a couple field trips, quote unquote, during the week. So by Friday, we were going to head out to go get some snacks and get ready for the following week. And he'd brought a balloon in the car. I was playing around with the balloon as I was backing out of the garage. Of course, he's in his car seat, all buckled in. And I said, hey, Zoom, put that down. Uh, You know, mommy, you don't want to distract mommy while I'm driving. And he kept playing with it. And before I knew it, I was scraping my car against our cinder block fence. (laughs) Which, ah, oh no. And I realized kind of in that moment that we're, Immediately after it, that overwhelm had totally taken over in my life. I had allowed kind of the stress of feeling like I had to be in charge of everything and probably a little bit of that inner critic voice if I wasn't doing anything well. All of that was starting to hit me. Thanks, universe. (laughs) No surprise that I actually literally hit something, which, again, more gratitude that it was our own property, our wall, and that it was not something or, gosh, someone else. Minor, again, like I said, all minor landslide, but it really led me to start looking at overwhelm. And I do have a favorite book on this topic, which is by Bridget Schulte. Um, It's called Overwhelm, How to Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. And I was already reading this book. This minor accident seemed like such a great opportunity to kind of stop and reflect and say, okay, what about this is overwhelming to me? And what is overwhelm trying to tell me in this moment? Which isn't necessarily in that book, but it just all seemed to be a great moment for reflection and (laughs) introspection and, you know, getting myself back in line. Because to be honest, the weeks ahead of Zoom school being closed, I had found my way to a new balance and things were working pretty well. And it was just this small change. And maybe you've seen this as well, where something small or not so small changes in your life. You have a hard time adjusting to it or kind of making everything in probably the ecosystem of your life fit this new thing. And so this one thing seems to knock everything out of whack. And that's exactly what happened. Like, you know, had we planned on vacation happening? Well, then of course, I would have cleared the decks and we would have just had fun all day. But since I was also planning on working and trying to, you know, watch him and do some fun things with him, that's where the stress level got too high for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't stop to listen and see what I needed. I just let the overwhelm kind of build and get the best of me. That moment of the screech against the cinder block, the moment was a wake-up call. I would say that overwhelm hits 
you know, quite literally and figuratively for me in this example, when we need to slow down and pay attention to what's going on. What is overwhelm trying to tell us? Well, the first thing I think that overwhelm is trying to tell us is to slow down. It's a gentle reminder from your mind and your body just to slow down. If I'd slowed down in my own example of running into my fence, it's likely that I would have paid more attention. I would have tapped the brake. I would have stopped. I would have waited for Zoom to pull the balloon down before I continued. Any of those moments where I would have just slowed down literally and figuratively would have led to a better outcome, right? If I had just stopped to check my surroundings, basically. And so I think that's the first thing that overwhelm is trying to tell us, whether it's that moment of a specific event or just in general. You know, if you feel the anxiety rising, let's stop and slow down and breathe and just put a, you know, a figurative tap to the brakes. Slow it down. Because I know that the irony of this is that being overwhelmed, it often feels like if we just keep moving faster, that we'll get more done. That's kind of the trap of overwhelm is lots of times in this example, if we've got more things added to our plate and that's what's leading to the anxiety, then we think, oh, we've got to work faster to get all of this done. And so we do. And then it just adds more stress. It starts building on itself. And I will say that society has also become fascinated with this idea that multitasking and and going faster and that all of those things will add lead to better results, which, of course, if if you've read these studies, humans are not good at multitasking. And sometimes, depending on the nature of the work we've been doing, we need up to five minutes to ease back into the task that we were doing before we were interrupted. So really, multitasking is inefficient and going faster is inefficient. So this idea that we need to slow down, I've found that I actually get more done because by slowing down, it creates more space for me to make conscious decisions about what needs to happen next, about what my priorities are in the day and what things need to be done and how to do them well. I've seen this before as well with my son because overwhelm tends to be a mindset. If I'm, we need to rush to get out of the house to do something, he often gets a little bit frazzled and then, you know, he can't necessarily follow his own thoughts. Like I'll tell him to go put his shoes on, hurry, hurry, hurry. And that makes that hurry makes him nervous. So it's that irony that by slowing down, we can think better and do things in a logical progression. And that the breath and actually breathing into the moment is also a powerful tool because it lets us get in touch with our bodies and slow down and make a better decision. There's also something to that about getting in touch with your own body. So here's an interesting fact um, that also came up in the last couple of weeks and that I'm really loving playing around with, but that your brain is not the only organ in the body that's taking in data throughout the day. If you think about it, We also talk about following our heart or listening to our intuition, and that would be a heart or a gut or another organ, right, in your body that is adding and creating and and noticing data about things. So I use data, it's kind of a sterile term, but, you know, you're led to do things with your heart, you know, follow your passion, You, you get a hit about who you think somebody is or what they're up to, and that's your intuition. So if you just slow down and take a breath, even in these moments of high anxiety, you can often access the wisdom that your heart or your intuition is telling you, and you just have to let your body tell you what's going on and what it needs. Again, this all takes just slowing down. The first step of when you feel the overwhelm rising, take the deep breath, slow down, 
and then just kind of give yourself some space to come up with what really needs to happen next. And so that leads us to our second thing that I would say overwhelm is is telling us and that it's to rely on yourself, rely on what you know you need, rely on yourself for the next step, rely on yourself to know what you need. So maybe you're a list maker, whether that be one where you actually list out things on a piece of paper and have it handy and enjoy checking them off, or you've got a running list in your head or some people actually have both that often causes more anxiety around things. So, and I'll admit here that I totally am a list maker and I can let a list rule my day. Sometimes if I'm feeling overwhelmed, sometimes if I'm feeling overwhelmed and having a wake up call moment, and if I'm able to stop and treat that as an invitation to breathe and ask myself, what do I really need to do in this moment? What is the next thing that absolutely needs to be done? And so that stops kind of that anxiety moment of your head spinning. You feel a little bit like a hamster in a wheel. I got to do this, got to do this. But if you, if you invite yourself to slow down and really focus on the thing that needs to happen next. In the case of the car, I needed to hit the brake. I needed to at least slow down and look and check my rear view mirror. Both are figurative examples of what you might need to do if you are in an overwhelmed moment. Step on the brakes, tell yourself to slow down, and then look around you, but also ask yourself, what do I need to do? What is the next step? And it could be very simple. If you give yourself enough space and time, probably a very simple answer will appear. I need a drink of water. You know, it might be even some of those simple things. Like just slow down and start to take in the information that you are given. The next thing I would say is also going back to this look inside and see what you need if you're feeling overwhelmed. Is if you have a list that you're working from. I would stop and do a reality check with it. This is kind of where my finding balance course that you can find on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com, where this comes into play. It's it's the first activity in that e-course, but is to take a look at your larger list and get really honest about everything that you've put on there. Does it all need to be done, really? (laughs) And lots of times our answer will be yes, it needs to get done. But look at it again. Are some of these things that are on your running list, have they been there for a year or more? Are they things that you have internalized and believe that you need to do because it's an expectation put on yourself from somewhere else? Can Both those things. If it's been on there a year or more, you haven't done it, take it off your immediate running list. Put that somewhere else. If it's something that, you know, your mom, your dad, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, a teacher, I, who knows, but somebody told you, hey, you should do this. Take a look. Is it something that your heart really wants? Is it something you really want for your own life? And listen for the answer. If the answer is yes, I still want to do X, Y, and Z, leave it on your list. But but get really specific. Another great thing to do here is if you are overwhelmed, take out a piece of paper and write the first three things you need to do. I've read somewhere that really kind of three things are a good way to have a day go, meaning Put the big three things you need to do in the day, and then the next day you pull up that running the larger list, you list three more on your smaller list. Because it's really kind of overwhelming to look at a long running list and feel like, oh, I've never made, you know, I've never done all these things. They're still here. 
well, be kind to yourself and make it smaller because you are getting things done is my bet. It's just hard to see all of the accomplishments that you've made. That's by, so first step is slow down. Second step, look inside and ask yourself what you really need. The third one is focus on you and what you can control. This also, I just I talked about it a little bit, but focus on things that you can control. So let's go back to my example. My son's school closing is a great example. I can't control that the water main broke outside of the building. And it's good to recognize that as much as I didn't want that to have happen, it's it's not something that I can control. And it's now something that I just have to work with. Putting a lot of time or energy into trying to change that thing or fight that thing isn't going to change the outcome right now. Likewise, once I had run into the wall, that I can't change that. That act is done. So being mad about that, I mean, it'll happen, right? It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have the emotions. It's okay to feel those things. But then knowing after a little bit of time, it'll be different for each person, but that you just you need to understand it is something that happened and that you cannot control it and to let go of those things that you cannot control. I really like, and I know I've said this one before in podcasts, but what Randy Pausch in the last lecture, which I will link up to in the show notes, what he says is we cannot change the cards we are dealt, just how we play the hand. And that harkens back to what I'm saying here is that, yeah, I can't change that Zoom school was closed. I can change how I react to it. So look for that in yourself. My friend Liz <laughs> of Midlife Schmidlife, um, and who was on a couple of weeks ago with uh, our friend Julie, she has a great tool for this, kind of helps give you a visual touchstone of what you can control and what you cannot control. And it's to draw two circles on a piece of paper. You're going to start with a small one and kind of put that in the middle of your page and then draw a larger one around the smaller one. In the smaller center circle, brainstorm, brain dump, all the things that you can control about your current situation. Then in that larger circle outside of that, write out all the things you can't control. It's good to recognize that and really to be honest with yourself about the things that you cannot control and write them out so you can see them for yourself. And then you can start to work on those things that are in that inner circle, the things you can control. You can start to change those things. So how do I react? How do I want to be in this situation? What do I want to take responsibility for and change here are the questions that you might ask about the things that are in the center of that page. And a big thanks to Liz for suggesting that one. And then the last thing I'll say, well, so let's go over the the first three first. So the first one is slow down, look inside yourself, Uh, for what you need, focus on what you can control, and then the last one I would say is take care of yourself. Now, I know if, if, if you're anything like me, you're like, that's the last thing I need when I'm out of control or I feel overwhelmed, like I just need to get everything done. But this goes hand in hand with slowing down and focusing on the things that are going on inside of you and taking responsibility for what you can control is also taking care of yourself. Because when we're busy, it's so easy to push ourselves to sleep less, to forget to eat, and to neglect the things that actually make us feel good, which, again, counterintuitive. If we get 
I think it's seven to eight hours of sleep, you know, our brains work better. <laughs> like, you know, there's there's actual proven data around some of these things where if you can give yourself the break and the rest, even if it's just for short periods of time during the day, but to do something that lets your brain do something else than worry about whatever is overwhelming to you or to play a little bit. Again, feels totally counterintuitive, but if you can kind of if you can immerse yourself in something that you love and that is interesting to you, oftentimes the one benefit of that is that ideas pop to the surface, right? Kind of like if you go in the shower, that's a great thinking place for a lot of people. Driving a car is also a great thinking place for a lot of people. So taking that break and taking the breath and knowing what you need, sometimes the ideas, new ideas will pop into your head and you can work through a problem or sometimes it's just the break and kind of the rest and relaxation to get you out of the stress mode that you may be in is also super important because then you can re-approach the things that feel really pressing and heavy with a new set of eyes. So one of the things that I like to encourage clients to try after slowing down, looking at what they need and being clear on what they can control is especially if the overwhelm has been over a period of time that is somewhat prolonged, is to really getting back to what you need to take care of yourselves. A great practice for this one is writing out five things that, it could be five, it could be ten, things that you need each day to feel like you. Now, this also seems, (laughs) this might seem a little bit like, oh yeah, right. But the idea here is that you should put down, I need three meals. I need to sleep eight hours. I'd like to take a shower because honestly, when we all get so busy, and I know this even from the last week that it seemed, or the last couple weeks, it seemed like I was so busy that even stopping to eat was hard, which makes no sense. Like we have to eat to keep moving. But then of course you don't eat, the blood sugar dips, it gets really hard to concentrate, you know, tempers are harder to control. Anyway, these things are all connected. So the idea is that you would write down five to 10 things that you know you need every day to make you feel like you. And then if you start to feel the anxiety or the overwhelm rising up in the day, take a look at your list. Did you have eight glasses of water if that's on your list? Did you eat your lunch if that's on the list? Did you go take a walk around the block or wash your hair or whatever your things are, did you do them? And if you haven't done them, slow down, take a little time for yourself and make sure that you do them because you've already said that's what you need to feel like you. Those are my four things. One last time. (laughs) Slow down and breathe. Look at what you need in the situation Take responsibility for the things that you can control and let go of what you cannot control and then take care of yourself. And when you do all of these, hopefully you will notice (laughs) that the overwhelm starts to subside and you can get on to the things that you love to do and you can get on to the things that bring you more joy and that you have more of a sense of peace and easefulness in your day. So that's really, that's the focus and the end game. And so it's kind of a mindfulness practice And I hope you guys will try it and let me know how it goes. Let's see. So if you want to go back and look up any of those things that I mentioned, like Randy Pausch or the book about overwhelm, um, those are all in the show notes. And that's over at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash overwhelm. Um, 
If you might like to explore some of these topics, you like what you just heard, you can sign up for that free consult. It's a session, 45 minutes with me on the phone, and that's on jumpstartyourjoy.com. Or last thing up, if you want to start your own podcast, it's jumpstartyourpodcast.com. And I would love to see you in that class. So just head over to the website and you will find all of the information. Um, And I'll be back next week with another exciting episode. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.